Can I do a sassy one? Please go ahead. Hi, I'm Lillian Brown. And who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably going to be the one. Settle in as we begin to tell you about some friends Folks you know in Chicago and some you've never met We'll talk about the things they say and do There's a question posed to old and new Who the fuck are you? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Kevin Alvis, and welcome back to another episode of Who the Fuck Are You? Oh man, I hope everybody's doing well. Summer's here. I hope you're getting your vaccinations and starting to get back out in the world because, geez, um, we need some fucking people back in our lives. Get vaccinated, stay safe, but get back out there. Start hugging some faces, start kissing some butts. Whatever you're doing, just do it safely, okay? Now that we've got that out of the way, please also take a moment to rate and review the show. That's how we get the word out to more people, and that way we can keep bringing you all this talented people from Chicago every two weeks. Speaking of, my guest today is a Chicago native that is one of the most talented directors in the country. On top of that, she's an amazing person. Please welcome to the show, Lillianne Brown. Hello. Hello. How are you? How are you? I'm doing well, and yourself? I'm doing good. Uh, how have you been? I have been hanging in there. <laughs> I have been the, hanging in there. That is the most popular answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the most honest answer to that question. You know, it's just sometimes good, sometimes not good. It's been a really busy week. This week has been like kind of a, a crazy week for me. Um, good crazy, I hope. Work stuff. Uh crazy, crazy. You yeah. know, uh, I think any of us are, you're always grateful for work, right? Like, Ooh, you always. know, especially like, like me, I'm an artist, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm grateful for work because we're just all unemployed. Like technically I've just been unemployed for, mm-hmm. you know, over a year now. Um, except for like now I'm, well, I've, I've been part of the gig economy cause I'm a freelance director. So I'm part of the gig economy which got crazy rough, oh, right, yeah. during the pandemic. Oh, so, you know, being part of trying to scratch up theater gigs during a pandemic is really wild. Mm-hmm. So that means you're part of the, you know, the virtual revolution. And American theater just was not ready for virtual. So that's been a wild ride. I love that you're doing this. This is very cool. I'm enjoying this, and I can also do this in my comfy pants. So, right, it's really look at nice. your setup. It's awesome. <laughs> thanks, thanks. It's uh, I get a lot of uh, WKRP jokes when I. When <laughs> yeah. WKRP. This year, as we just said, has been insane. So I've been trying to uh, avoid asking the question of how's your year been or what have not, and trying to find something more fun to talk about. So, um, I want to ask you what has been the. Th- thing that's getting you through the shitty times is there one thing you're like fuck I've been doing this and this has been awesome I don't know about awesome I have been watching so much (laughs) like Netflix I I have watched more tv in the past year than I think I have watched in my whole life really you didn't grow up you want a tv I'm normally not even that heavy of a tv watcher okay um, I have a smart TV. I'm very spoiled because I like my options. I boy, that's oh, probably thing. should be on my headstone. Like she, <laughs> loved, she wanted options. Like I really love to have like a, a show me the menu. Tell me what's on the secret menu. What y'all mm-hmm. got in the back? I like I to know everything before choice. I choose. I love it. 
that's sort of just like part of my personality. So like, I've always had all these options, but you know, I'm not someone that's up in the house all the time right. with just like time to watch a bunch of TVs. What's been your like, like your, yeah, like your, what's your, what's your garbage TV binge? Like, oh, you, man. You have that... well, I don't like garbage TV. Okay. <laughs> so what's been like, what have way. you been grabbing since as somebody who hasn't really been like, who doesn't focus too much on TV? Like, what did you gravitate towards now that you had time to sit? Like, what have you been binging? Uh, well, I've always loved, like, I love sci-fi. So oh, okay. if it nice. was in space, I watched it. Great. Um, if it was like on a Victorian country, British country estate, I watched it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I don't wow. know why. That's just weird, but whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, if it was um, some sort of, you know, women fighting the system, I watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if there were witches of any sort, I watched it. So lots of, lots of all of those things and really anything that came out, like all the limited things, all the limited series, Mm -hmm. because those really pack a punch. Those tend to be real top quality because they're like, really, this is a long movie, you know, or this is like, this would have been a trilogy movie, but like, you know, this, this would have been the Lord of the Rings, but it's actually just these nine episodes of television. And it's all you get. It's like, uh, it's, it's 2021's version of the miniseries. If you, uh, when I was, there was a lot of like four episode miniseries over this whole week, you know, and some special TV show on NBC. And like, I love the fact that they have become like nice movies because, Hey man, I'm older and I got stuff to do. I could watch movies in chunks now. I'm like, great. Like WandaVision was wonderful because it was such, Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just the ultimate, like stuff like that is that's definitely I feel like I watched all of Disney plus right because that's something that happened that like came out right yeah. before, right pre-pandemic was like we've got this new thing mm-hmm. and then the pandemic happened and I was like I'm just going to watch this catalog <laughs> and it's everything you want whether it's like you because you, if you're in the sci-fi I'm assuming you're in the Star Wars and that side of it oh yeah and then you're into probably into the Marvel side to it as well if you're kind of in- I watched mm-hmm. the Clone Wars that oh, tells yeah. you how much I was in front of a TV. I watched <laughs> The Clone Wars. And so. now one of my best friends is now uh, actually a Star Trek star. Oh, yeah? He's the lead of a Star Trek show. Ooh, ooh, which one? Uh, my friend Tawny Newsome is uh, the lead in of um, Lower Decks. Oh, I didn't know you knew Tawny Newsome. I've, I've listened to some of her podcasts and I've heard her on, on as guest on several podcasts. She's great. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that bum, right? Like, I great. love that she's Ensign Mariner. Uh, I wish I could show you. I have like a little Ensign Mariner sticker on my computer. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I love that they've made uh, a silly, ridiculous Star Trek and it's also part of canon too. Like yes. it's a weird animated, like adult swim I type know, of cartoon. I know, some of the nerds didn't like it. I, they literally, after no. the first episode- this was so wild. Uh, after the first episode, there were a bunch of folks that came out of the woodwork to say that Ensign Mariner's sleeves were not regulation and that they did not appreciate that. Oh, and this see, this that's... was so unrealistic and this could never be because why were her sleeves rolled up for a whole episode? That would never happen. And I was like, this is the hill we dying on today. <laughs> sleeves, this, this, this is, is the hill. In a cartoon. That's what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> on a sci-fi show. Gotcha. All right. Okay, y'all. Like I, I, I thought I didn't have anything better to do, but <laughs> <laughs> obviously not. Uh, you never. Uh, you, you always have things to do, and that's oh. 
this is real. Yeah, this is real. We're still we're like, you're here for a reason. Like we're podcasting. Um, I'll, I'll have you back on my other show called Just Shooting the Shit. And then we'll we'll just spend an hour just shooting the shit about Star Wars and stuff. But now we have to talk <laughs> yes, about you. I, right? I would do that. <laughs> oh, great. Because great. I'm a shit shooter. As I often t- warn people, I'm like, so, you know, I'm loquacious. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my guests, when we are talking about <laughs> working in the city, I'm like, you have like a, you know, these people, certain people you like to work with that you'd like kind of drop things for. Cause I have like my drop things for people. Like if they were like, Hey, come work with me. I'm like, I'll drop whatever I'm doing. Come work with you. Aww. And so many of my guests were like, well, Lillian Brown, of course, is like the top three of my list of people I would like just roll out for. You're one of the people where you're like, when your name comes up, I've never heard anybody go, oh, what an asshole. <laughs> No one. So it's. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that day. I'm I, like, I, 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 where's where's the one? I just you know. I mean, I would literally find them and apologize to them. Um, you are from Chicago originally, correct? Word. I'm from yeah. the South Side. What was the thing for you that was like? You know what? I don't want to. I don't want to go anywhere else, or need to go anywhere else. Yeah, I've just I. Cause Chicago, man, like I'm one of those diehard Chicagoans. I'm from here. I even went to school here, basically. I mean, Evanston, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one of the two suburbs that I believe in because I don't actually believe in suburbs, but um, (laughs) Evanston and Oak Parker are, I believe in. I genuinely love it. I love my life here. I mean, I've been everywhere. I've been all over the country. I've been all over the world. And I love, love, love living in Chicago. And furthermore, I love, love, love doing what I do in Chicago. And I think at a certain point, you, you know, it's kind of like, um, oh my God. <laughs> I was thinking, I was just thinking about that, that quote from Shawshank, like get busy living, or get busy dying, <laughs> right? It's just like, so what are you going to do? Are you going to like drift like a leaf or do you want to like do something that benefits something bigger than you? And so I began to understand that I could do something for, for more than me. Uh, And it feels very local. Not that I can't affect change that is, national or global maybe I can but like I feel such a strong love and a strong commitment to Chicago to make good work here to be good to people here and to like leave it better than I found it have you always been an artist have you always wanted to go into theater and the arts or at one point Mm -hmm. where you were like I really want to be an archaeologist or an accountant oh I mean I was gonna be like a stem superstar or something like that or potentially writing like I was creative in that way I was Mm -hmm. always like writing little plays and essays and poems so like my creative outlet was writing and dance but those were seen as well the writing was just like something that happened through school um and at home I was Mm -hmm. a voracious voracious reader so of course like if you're a kid and you're just eating books you're gonna start writing stories at some point yeah that it's just happens reading's the gateway drug into writing yeah yes, yes. <laughs> uh and so and you know growing up for me cultural activities were considered part of like a well-rounded upbringing so it's like okay pick pick an instrument and that's you're going to play an instrument because music's important okay and like you'll go to dance classes and that like eventually you'll sort of narrow it down into like 
this is your thing that is your like the thing that makes you well-rounded but I, I my parents never in a million zillion years ever suspected <laughs> that although they insisted I play the piano uh-huh. uh enrolled me in ballet classes at age four or five uh-huh. took me to the ballet took me to the theater took me to the CSO took me to the lyric opera that although they did all of those things somehow they never in a million years thought I would want to do it professionally <laughs> and so were they when you were like hey I'm gonna do this were they like okay or were they like go for it they actually were (laughs) door number three they were like oh sure you are that's that's very nice okay so let us know when you know what you really want to do and they did that for like eight years uh and then these were the proudest people in the world when I actually started bringing home you know when I actually started having jobs right and then when it sort of segued into like I can actually like pay my rent with this. They were like, what? He with with parents are like, can you pay your rent? You're like, yeah. And they're like, oh, well then you're set. That's great. Congratulations. That's amazing. They were very, they were like bowled over because they just did not think that that was at all a possibility. When you first started off, when you found the world of performance, were you acting or were you directing that? Did the directing come later or are you an actor at heart? Uh, actually, the funny thing is I'm a director at heart, but I didn't know that was a thing you could be. Okay. So I theater meant acting because that was, you know, like you, can you, do do, you can do a school play. Yeah. You can do that. So uh, no, how I got into acting was a program called Cherubs at Northwestern University. Okay. Uh, it's not actually not called Cherubs. It's nicknamed Cherubs. <laughs> it's called it's the National High School Institute and everybody calls it Cherubs. Um, And I actually was going to do, I just wanted to get out of the house. And so when I originally signed up, I was going to do the school of engineering because that was, that was the most logical thing to do. Like that's who I was. I was, you know, in APs and I was a math and science person. Um, And so that's what I was going to do. And when I looked at the brochure, it was talking about like labs and homework and deadlines. And I was like, it's summer. I don't want to do homework. (laughs) It's a lot of work for a degree. (laughs) And then I turned the page and they were like, theater cherubs, 10 a.m., voice and movement. And I was like, these mugs are frolicking in a field. Done. They don't do jack. I'm going to do that. So I literally just like erased the thing I had checked off. And I checked that off and I sent the thing off and my parents didn't even know I had like changed my little check mark. Oh, wow. And I got in cause they don't care. They're just like, do, do you have the money to pay for this? And like, are you a good great. student? Do we want you to go here? Yes, great. You're in the program. Like you didn't have to have any kind of background. This is summer camp, right? So I got there and found the freaks and that is all she wrote. Oh, and like see, I showed up at this place and I was completely out of my element. Everything was new. I was extremely challenged. And so just like turned on like, oh my God, this is a whole new thing. But way bigger than that was like, I found my tribe. And once once that happens, you, you don't go back. You don't find your people and go back. It's a great brochure for cherubs. And I, I tell this story so often that I'm surprised they haven't like put it on the brochure like <laughs> yeah how are you not a spokesperson for that you know that you should hang hi i'm lillian brown and i just fucking took it so it changed too. my life like yeah <laughs> but it really did it really did 
And it seems to, because I mean, you have had an, an amazing career uh, because you've taken some of those acting roles and you've you've done a lot of acting along uh, in your life. And then you've decided now it sounds that you found your calling as a director mm -hmm. and you've been just directing your ass off, it seems like for the past few years. Um, oh, yeah. What was it? When did you hit a point where you were like, I want to give that a shot? What like when did you finally listen to your heart and go, I, I think I want to give this a try? Yeah, you know, it, as you asked earlier, like, which is, which are you really? The funny thing is like, when I was in whatever sixth grade, I was like writing and directing this like puppet show thing. And like in college, I would direct things. And in college I directed stuff and um, they didn't have a directing major. So it wasn't, you know, and maybe if they had, I would have switched to it midstream or something. Okay. Um, uh, but I just, again, I did not really know this was an option. I'm just a very sort of, um, cardinal person. Mm -hmm. And so people would always, <laughs> I say this a lot too, because this really feels like my reality all the time. You know, that like movie trope of like the troops, everybody's standing there and they're like, we need a volunteer. And nobody <laughs> steps forward, but everybody steps back except oh. one jerk that's like left standing out front because they didn't move back. We're that that jerk is me. That jerk <laughs> is always me. That jerk has been me since childhood. Ah, oh, you sons of bitches. Yeah, I'm just always standing there like, wait a minute. And or like, people will be like, we nominate her. And I'm just like, why? <laughs> Why do you want me to be in charge? Uh, so it's just, it was that kind of thing where people would, I, I think I'm also, uh, what could also be on my headstone is, sigh, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> you step in when somebody's like, why, what are we going to do about this? And you're like, fuck, I guess I'll just add that to my list. Yeah, because I can't stand the state of what are we going to do? Like, I literally cannot abide it for three seconds. I really? cannot abide that state of being. So I directed a fair bit of things just randomly because I was like, well, we got to do this thing. Nobody, 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 huh? No. Me? Okay, fine. All right, great. I guess me. And then, um, then I had an acting career. And many times I found myself in the corner doing my work, you know, watching things go down and being like, Mm, mm. I wouldn't do it that way. <laughs> and I also oh. cannot abide myself. Like I just, I have no tolerance for myself being a punk. So after saying that too many times to myself, I was like, well, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to sit here and judge or are you going to do something about right. it? Put up or shut up. Put up or shut up. You kind of have a fucking resume across the board on on styles and genres and film and, and theater and things do you have like a favorite either like genre or do you prefer to do things like musicals or do you have a, like a little spot you like to sit and direct i get asked that a lot and so i've thought about it and it, it, it's not one genre but i know that it's like you know if you want kitchen sink i'm probably not who you're coming to mm -hmm. like I'm less interested in like I'm really interested in magic mm -hmm. a thing I say a lot is you know when people are kind of getting bogged down and like if I do this and this and this and this well is that gonna be realistic and what about that are people gonna and I'm like guess what y'all the jig is up it's a play it's not yeah. reality right 
<laughs> people bought tickets they're sitting in an audience that's super weird and not like real life so like let's get past it and move on let's get and a like, little what are we gonna let's do that fun. makes people feel some shit ah oh, yes yeah so i just that's what i want and so i i'm very affected by music I'm very affected by, I, I, I love like yelling at my TV when it's being incredibly manipulative. I'm like, you bastard, you got me with this dumbass manipulative score. Like, and I'm just like, oh, you got me, you corny bitch. And I love doing that on stage. I'm like, let's get them. Um, my friend Erica Weiss, uh, when we were doing Twist of Water, God, forever ago, uh, like damn, 10 years ago said to to us one night like fuck him in the heart and that is just oh uh, i took that and ran with that forever what and a wonderful say that to my actors to because that's exactly it fuck him in the heart right that's great yeah isn't oh, that good i need to write that down i need to take that right? everywhere i go what are you doing tonight we're gonna fuck him in the heart we're gonna fuck him in the heart man that's what people came for that's <laughs> worth a ticket that's the money that's where we're getting the money we're fucking them in the heart um, that's a, I fucking love that approach. Do you have, is there, cause Chicago is just, it's the place to go for new plays. I, I, that's what I love about Chicago is like, I love working in a room, developing something that's new, especially when the writer's in the room. Uh, and you seem to be a, a writer's director cause you work a lot with a lot of new plays. Is that something yeah, you like to I dig in, in the love, process of um, helping to cut the scripts or is it just like, oh, let's, let's just get in here and just get into it. Uh, either or and all of the above. Um, I love being involved in the process. I think I'm a really good dramaturg slash editor, you know, that kind of person that, that can um, help a, a playwright interrogate their play in a way that is not intrusive because mm -hmm. I love playwrights and I respect them and I feel like it's my job to protect them. Um, sometimes from themselves, but in a Agreed. good way, not in like a, you know, condescending way, but in a way of sometimes it's like, are you sleeping? Should like, I write in, I, I want to write in a scene with 45 dogs. Should we do that? No, yeah, no, no, you should, we should not do that. Zero you will budget. be We're super unhappy about it later. Hey, um, did you know that there's 23 locations in the play? I feel like maybe eight max. Like, I ah. feel like. Could you get this you in a diner and leave to it? To get there. your play produced. Like, <laughs> <laughs> when I was at Bailiwick, we were, that was part of my uh, directive. I, I um, came up with a, like, let's do new work mm -hmm. uh, and let's have resident playwrights and let's create a process whereby over like a two year cycle, we're producing a new work. So basically like every other season, we should have a new play by a resident playwright. Um, and so before I had to go and before the company was defunct, we uh, we actually in like group settings, we did two new things that were collaborations with other companies. Mm -hmm. One that sort of never got fully, fully off the ground, but it got to like the workshop process that was with Teatro Luna. And that's when I got to meet all of those amazing, amazing people, including Christiana Colon, who I got to work with later. Um, and then one that did become a play uh, that was with New Colony. And then uh, with our uh, resident playwrights, 
we did Mahal by Danny Bernardo and Princess Mary Demands Your Attention by Aaron Holland. So I got to have all of this amazing, like this is how we make a play from scratch mm-hmm. uh, experience. And I just loved it. And I learned so much. Um, and so I just, yeah, I, I kept wanting to do it. Just eating it up, eating it up. That's that's great. Do you have a favorite project? Do you have a project that you're most proud of? Like a show that you yeah. directed? You're like, this is the one. <laughs> yeah. This is the one no matter what happens. This is the yeah, one. Yeah, Lottery Day. Yeah. yeah. What was it for you on that show? Talk about a sense of this is bigger than us. I get that sense on many, like Carolina Change was amazing and immense and magical. Color Purple was amazing and immense and magical. But Lottery Day just lives in my heart always. And part of it is I was just with it. I was with it for so long Mm -hmm. and I was in that world. In many ways, I was in that world for six years Um, because it all started with a reading for exit strategy. Okay. In like 2014, 13, 14, whenever, way back then, way back when like exit strategy was going to be a new play and Jackalope was maybe going to do it. Mm-hmm. And we were doing readings and Ike was like, oh, I want you to play this character. And then, you know, when it came time to be produced, I was like, you know, I'm equity, right? Like, I, <laughs> so, so, and we were huge fans of each other already and just really loved each other. And, you know, so I got to see exit strategy and feel like, oh, I love this world that he created, but we didn't know it was going to be a world. Like we just, I just thought it was such a cool play and those schools got shut down. And here's somebody who like Chicago, here's my friend, his Chicago is his adopted city and he loves it every bit as much as I do. And then lottery day comes along and actually, again, he was like, be in this. And so the first reading of it, I was in, Mm -hmm. um, And then it became very apparent very quickly, like, I need to direct this. So we were like, okay, let's do that. And then we got to do new stages. So there was so much time given to developing this and just this idea of like, let's make our own Avengers. We can make our own Avengers. Yeah. We can actually have these actors who were in these plays at all the different theaters and take them and put them all on stage together in this seventh end game play that's amazing who does this it's that's never been amazing. done and that's what a, chicago man i fucking love chicago for that kind right. of shit. right right this is it. the kind of place like i remember like the, the year previously everybody was like all our tragic what the fuck right and then i was like yeah we got a, we got some what the fuck coming like we're doing yes. a crazy thing where we got a murder board on the wall we literally did we had like a murder board on the wall like <laughs> literally a crazy board of for dramaturgy that had like red thread <laughs> this person was here and this person was here oh fuck i forgot because they were over we here. had to and the fact that we got to do you know we got to play and we actually got man kevin who gets resources like we're not used to that talk about the country cousins like we came up in the good middle like ooh, <laughs> look at all this that's this is nice and everything i've heard from anybody who's done storefront who moves into a steppenwolf or goodman show is like i have my own thing i've got my own spot to sit i work <laughs> i rehearse during the day and i'm home by five o'clock and i'm like whoa 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 what is we're this so dumb that we're like bottle fillers <laughs> <laughs> what, 
what is this fancy ass uh-huh. water fountain? <laughs> like, we're just like, just for that. like everything is is great and everything is a luxury. And we just used to make so many jokes. Like oh, every day we would show up and be like, they didn't change the security codes yet. They still letting us in here. This is crazy. Uh, wow. We just had wow. so many jokes, but like to, to have the luxury, like New Stages is a very, um, unique development process and I really applaud it because it's a very luxurious and well-resourced development uh process Mm -hmm. and I just think not many processes like it exist in American theater and like you know that that's just very freaking cool that we got the chance to do that and um and get some help like to to be kind of the storefront little bad news bears Mm -hmm. and have a large organization say like so here's some money and here's a space and like go nuts yeah that's amazing oh yeah oh so yeah so that process is just like really really in my heart and then you know and then we felt like we got picked, like and they put a <laughs> ring on it, right? Like we did the thing and then they were like, yeah, cool. Be in the next season. We're going to really do this. And then for me, that's just, you know, really fulfilling because I just always want to take care of people. Mm-hmm. I want to see people get taken care of. And I want to see people, I want to see awesome, excellent people who've been toiling for years get paid yeah and get recognized and have nice things and there's so I just many really people. want that so that felt like like such a uh culmination of like hard work and you know hopes and dreams and wishes and storefront shenanigans uh actually culminated in like people making a decent paycheck and getting to be on a really nice stage and have people come see their work and be like, wow, this was one of a kind. This was amazing. And to get to be in that experience and look, whether it would have been just as magical in an alley and we would have done it in an alley. Honestly, like, you know, we would have done it in Ike's backyard and it would have been just as Amazing. amazing. But like, it's really nice to get people to compensate it. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's I mean, a that's, big mission too. I know we're just getting back into things. Um, do you have anything coming down the pipeline? Anything exciting? I'm working on my Kennedy Center debut, which was supposed to already have happened. I'm, I'm dramatically so, leaning towards the microphone and the camera. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Did you say Kennedy Center? Yeah, yeah. I've been working this on is something a I new haven't musical. heard, so do tell. <laughs> I've been working on a new musical for children um, with them since freaking like the end of 2018, I feel like, maybe, or 2019, I don't know. What is time? Time is a construct. It's, it's all gooey. Pre, pre-blip, before the blip. The um, blip. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. Uh, I started <laughs> working <laughs> on this new musical for children um, that uh, right now we just kind of affectionately call it Acoustic Rooster, but I think it has now been renamed Acoustic Rooster's Barnyard Boogie starring Indigo Bloom. So obviously we're just going to keep calling it Acoustic Rooster. I'm into um, all of that. Uh, but I don't know if you know Kwame Alexander, the very famous uh, New York Times bestselling and two-time Newbery Award winning a children's author. Uh, and he's this very insanely prolific man uh we like to think of him as the 
ditty of kids literature. Um, <laughs> Cause that is just his personality. He's so dope. Um, awesome. And he uh, took his books and it, it melded them into a play. And his uh, partner in crime, uh, Randy Preston, who used to just like kind of wandering minstrel his book tours, mm-hmm. as well as like his partner, uh, who Mary Rand Hess, who sometimes uh, partners with him on some of the books for the more little littles. Came, so the three of them created this together. Oh, wow. And um, the music is <laughs> out of this world. The play is so doggone cute. <laughs> And they are just such amazing people to work with. And yeah, I got, man, I just, I, again, I'm just like so lucky because I, I have been wanting to develop a new musical this whole time. I have felt like, you know, anyone, anyone, <laughs> will anyone yeah. let me do a new musical? <laughs> just, just kind of begging because like, what have I done my whole career? Musicals and new plays, uh-huh. but never the twain have met. right that's crazy and so i just kept being like this is clearly my destiny where where how do i get in i found it really funny because when i first you know got an email about it i was like god you funny right because i asked for this i asked for this and you gave me a kid show and i was like a kid show what the hell and then i read it and i was like oh wow that's probably the best kid show i've ever read and then i met my collaborators and i was like I will follow these people anywhere. We fell in love instantly. Love at first sight. We're a family. We we are, how, how have we never met? We were meant to be. And um, yeah, it's just, we've been waiting. We're like, when can we, when do we get to do our play? So hopefully we really will get to do it this uh, November. And I'm doing this crazy live thing uh, for the Goodman this summer. So in July, uh, that's, I hate it here. That's another Ike Holter joint that he did as a, an audio play with studio theater. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it in the tub one night and had a great time with that. And, a, you know, some wine. And then like literally a couple days later, Bob Falls called me and was like, I'm thinking of doing this. What would you want to do? And I was like, Oh, I just heard this play that one. I want to do that. Done. So yeah, so we'll be doing that. And that's really exciting and absolutely terrifying. Um, That's all very fucking exciting. I'm so glad things are coming back and I'm so glad that you're still cooking right along. I mean, you have just been. Oh, I have something to show you. It's going to blow your mind. Oh, love it. Kevin, this really is going to blow your mind um, because we are soulmates (gasps) in a way. Um, because I'm going to show you a very old sweatshirt that was made for me at my old summer stock, which is where, um, when people say like, when I, when people ask me if I have like an MFA, I say, no, I have a TLP because I feel like I learned uh, my craft at a summer stock theater in Mount Carroll, Illinois called Uh Timberlake Playhouse, where I worked from 2005 to 2017. And this place is really in my blood. And they made this sweatshirt for me. (laughs) I love it. Because 
your catchphrase is my catchphrase. <laughs> Who the fuck is you? Who the fuck are you? I have been saying this for over a freaking decade. I love it. You've got like- So much so that some people had it stitched on a sweatshirt. One night, <laughs> we came up with a talk show that we would be like co-hosts of a talk show call who the fuck is you and that we were the business sisters mind you and none you oh so we had this whole intro of like i'm mind your business and i'm none your business and we're the business sisters who the fuck is you and basically that was like it, we were like we're an interview question we're an interview show with one question who the fuck is you oh <laughs> wow 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 i think and I so when you sent me the email i was like get the fuck out of here and i sent it to a <laughs> bunch of my timberlake friends and they all fell the fuck out and oh. we all just like tripped out well i think now existed. i mean once i hit like 25 episodes i think the 25th episode needs just to be a reunion episode of you and all your friends from there and then <laughs> y'all can just do your uh, your an episode of my show and it'll be a crossover hit i think that that's crossover as, yes crossover. <laughs> fucking love that that's amazing that's awesome we have reached that point of the show uh that i have i love and it's called same three questions. Same three questions. And these are the same three questions that I ask all of my guests because I like mm -hmm. to learn a little bit more about them in through uh, stupid, weird questions. Yes, I'm ready. So question number one is, is if you could have a superpower, which would it be and why? Teleportation. Ooh, I, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. What, what, was I it want to get there now and I want to leave when I want to leave. Are you the type of person that even if you could teleport, you'd probably still be back five minutes late? Oh my God, yes. I would be too. I would be <laughs> I'm too. I'm so ashamed. Yes. I was almost late to this podcast. It's my podcast and I work in the other room, my <laughs> living room. You know, I was eating with pizza and I was like, fuck, I gotta go. Uh, so yes, but teleportation, because you know what? The, waiting for the bus in Chicago in January? Yeah, I'm not about it. No, can go fuck yourself really hard. Because go fuck yourself. And also... Um, I am a very responsible drinker, but I love to drink. Mm -hmm. And if I could teleport, I could party more because I would not have to stop partying now, <laughs> so that I can drive home. Would there be, I wonder if there'd be a problem if you got really drunk and tried to teleport somewhere. What if it was like drunk driving, but it was drunk teleporting and you'd end oh, up in someone like else's flinching. house or you'd end up like in a different state or like all of a sudden you're in Siberia and you're like, what the oh. fuck? I'll be like, damn. <laughs> and then you're just hopping all night trying to get home. And then you're just back at the same party. You're like, fuck, I guess I'm gonna have another drink. <laughs> <laughs> I actually love that concept. And I am going to uh, pitch it as a Netflix show. Thank you. I'll cut you in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you need somebody to write for you, you just give me a shout. Question number two. If after you died, you were reincarnated as a sandwich, which sandwich would you want to be? I would want to be something insanely sumptuous, like a croque monsieur. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck is that? It's like a fancy ass French grilled cheese <laughs> with ham, <laughs> but it's called a croque monsieur. I think God. it's got like, you know, uh, hollandaise sauce on it or something. I, you know, it's just you like this egg and butter cheese. and cheese and Gruyere, you know, it's just like a heart attack sandwich, mm. any kind of heart attack sandwich. So like some kind of hoagie or like, you know, or you dipped 
Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. a good oh yeah beef sandwich dip with jardinera mm. on it, or like a, a like a lobster roll that's got caviar on it, like you know <laughs> on, on brioche, like just butter. You are something just ridiculous. I, I love that you actually are a, a, a sandwich buffet at this point. You're just like you like I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm like six different sandwiches, and I all want to good. be a Dagwood <laughs> sandwich. Oh my God. I haven't heard anyone comment on a Dagwood sandwich in I'm so old, probably man. 15 years. I <laughs> yeah. mean, I couldn't tell you the Dagwood sandwich. I mean, that, how can you, how do you get your mouth around that? Um, I mean, on. if I had a nickel for every time I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's the way to end that, that question. Uh, and question number three, Hey, Lillian, blue or green? Green. Ooh, I'm so sorry. The answer was blue. Answer. How dare blue. you? The answer is always the opposite of what you say. <laughs> um. Oh my God. I, Green is actually my favorite color. Blue is my favorite color. Green's my second, and that's why those. That's why those are in that question. <laughs> oh my God! Thank you so much for sitting down with me tonight. Um, if people wanted to find you, are you a social media person? Where can do you have a website where people can? Come yeah, check out your all, yeah, all of the above. But I'm on Instagram as Batman Brown, and Lil Brown Chicago dot com is Great. my website. Excellent. Well, I um I'm thrilled to get to sit down and talk with you. I I again no one in this theater community I have ever heard anything other than the most amazing things about you not only as a director uh, and working with you in the room but as just as a person outside the room as well Uh, and uh, the little bit I've got to talk to you I agree 100% with all of these people thank you so Um, much that is a really lovely thing to hear um, thank you so much I appreciate everything and uh, we'll talk to you soon okay this was a pleasure She is an amazing woman. Be sure to find her. Be sure to follow her. Be sure to see her work. Do not miss out. Well, that about does it for this episode. As always, I'd like to thank my dear friend Jason Moody for this kick-ass theme song and my dear friend Corbett Pascoe for our three-question stinger. Be sure to join us back here in two weeks when we sit down with another Chicago star and ask them that burning question. Who the fuck are you? Blah, blah, blah. Big talk.